Thank you, Alwen. I've just thought of this, actually, and I'll do it when she's not in the room. Uh, when she was leading, I was struck about how in awe I am of sharing a stage with Alwen. She's a, a giant in the faith, and I just want to honor her for 10 seconds before she arrives in that back door. Um, the pastoral care of Alwen is stunning, and you all know that. It's so broad and warm and caring. Everyone I call, they just want to thank God for Alwen, and we'll honor Chris another day, but uh, Alwen, it's just a privilege to be on his stage. What a Christian giant in the faith. Okay, shh, she's coming in. Welcome, everybody, to Exodus chapter 2. Um, children, soon, hopefully, you'll be back with Andy, uh, the older ones, and we've got worksheets ready for you to follow. If you're drawing, uh, do Moses. They're always funny pictures because he's arrived on the scene. Moses. And maybe being raised in church, or maybe hanging out with the Pharaoh of Egypt. <clears throat> I'd like to see those pictures, what you make them look like. And for us, the sermon is called, Don't Waste Your Life. Children, adults, even in your 80s, beyond, don't waste your life. I don't want anybody listening to waste their lives. Um, so Welcome. In Park End Church, we don't want you to waste your life. And it's possible to waste your life right from the youngest to the oldest. And we're learning about Moses who didn't waste his life. And he's on the sea now and we're learning from him. On the flip side, it's possible not to waste your life even right at the end and have the most glorious years of your life or days or hours or weeks it's still possible with God wherever we are on the road of life. This baby grew and had his best years in his 80s. So um, brilliant. So freedom from slavery, that's what Exodus is about. And today, it's about the slavery of wasting your life, which is enslaving. Uh, so I'm a bit of a Moses fanboy. Outside of Jesus, my joint second human in the world alongside Rita is Moses. And oh, how we're going to enjoy being uh, with Moses for the next few weeks. Um, listen to this. Here's verses 1 and 2 about this baby that didn't waste his life. Uh, now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. A fine child who didn't waste his life. It's the same with you. You're fine people. And people listening, fine people. But it is possible to lose that. We all know wasted lives. And you don't look at someone and you think, they're not as special. Oh, you, or you look at someone and go, they're not as special as they were. In fact, if I asked you who your favorite people in the world are, none of you are going to list selfish, horrible, nasty people, which we could all end up being. You think, that's a bit of a waste. We always end up people who have been in our lives who are just basically like Jesus. They served us. They loved us. They were there for us. They cared. They told us off when we needed it. So it is possible to have special lives and not so special lives, even though we're all made in the image of God. There's awe and wonder about all of us created. So Amram marries uh, Jochebed. That's Moses' mum and dad. They've already had two children, and you know who they are. You're muttering it under your breath. Miriam and Aaron, 
legends of the faith. And in your house groups, those who can do them online, hopefully they'll be physical before long, you can study this passage in detail. All I've got is like 20 minutes to lift one thing up here. So do study this. But what struck me, um, you may not dwell on it in your studies, but he was a fine child. Isn't that a really interesting thing to say about Moses? In Acts chapter 7, Stephen the apostle recalls Moses' life and calls him a pleasing child. Or in other versions of the Bible, no ordinary child. Not a life waster. Now we all love children. Psalm 139. They are fearfully and wonderfully Made, and I believe, and are made in the image of God, and I believe church values human life more than any other organization in the world, because we believe they're made in the image of God. I believe that. I'm not saying other organizations aren't helpful, but church believes they're made in the image of God, and have rights, and values, and dignity, and are eternal, and everlasting, and going to glory to be with Jesus if they would follow him there. It's massive. And then you get people who waste it and end up as nasty pieces of work, bent on self and them alone, or their little circle and nothing else. It's possible to be not pleasing to God, which is a life wasted. These people here, Moses and church members here, are anointed by the Spirit of God, special. And I just want you to think now for 10 seconds as you listen, um, at home for just the next 10 seconds. What on earth does it mean that when Moses came along, he was not an ordinary child? Just to look at that baby. What does that mean? Isn't that a bit odd? I want you to go there. I do think it means that there was a special anointed on him which he didn't squander. Um, he didn't waste his life. He was out and out for his Messiah and for the church. He stayed connected to the living God. And I think there was that mark about him at the start that he didn't squander. And we don't want anybody in our community to squander it. Neither does God. Listening, you might not be a Christian. Listen to this of what God wants of you. Ezekiel 33, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants everybody to come to him. Here's 1 Timothy chapter 2. God wants all people everywhere to come to a knowledge of him and not squander being made in his image. And there's something about Moses. God sometimes really connects with people in the wombs. Have you noticed that? Gets them going from the womb. Moses, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, he's into that stuff. Uh, God's journey begins with our youngsters right from the beginning. We love it. They're special, aren't they? We love them. And um, there's something about this one. Now, I just want to clarify for those thinking, oh man, for me not to waste my life, do I have to never sin? I'm not saying Moses never sinned and messed up. Like, mom and dad would know that sometimes he's our little baby angel here. Other times, he's like a little viper in a diaper. Have you heard that described about children? That's true. If you've ever been around children, we don't want them to waste their lives, but boy, do they sin. And Moses would have. A little viper in a diaper. I read that this week. Not sinless. Only Jesus is sinless. 
But to become more like him is not a wasted life. And to confess our sins to him when we do. Moses grew in church and more like his Messiah, Jesus. Interesting question. Do you think he shone? Is that what it means? There's something about this baby. Because what's interesting is, in the life of Moses, sometimes he does see his Messiah on a mountain, and he comes back down, and he's glowing. Does it mean that? Discuss it in house groups. Um, I remember reading about the Scottish, the last Scottish revival was in 1949 in the Isle of Lewis, and a preacher there called Duncan Campbell, and the spirit fell. I remember watching a video of the elderly people years later talking about when God came to that church and that island powerfully. And I tell you something, their faces were glowing. Do you know what I mean? Like they'd been in the presence of someone greater than them, and they shone. They were fresh and steely and awesome and clean and alive, even in their 80s. And 90s, and Jesus was the spirit filled man, and he was alive and full of life. Isn't this true? That our spiritual states come forth out of our physical states. It's just a fact. You think bad things and you look like this. You meet God and you're like, whoa. Is that what's happening with Moses? Churches should be bright and full of life and full of children and old people walking together. I remember in my last pastorate, someone drove up the street looking for our church, and he found it. And he told me, I knew which one the church was because it was bright, because we had painted it. Looking after what God had given us. Life. Children and adults together. That's what God's into. So that might be it. Or, now let me talk personally, maybe some mothers have been through this. I know some adults that have. Was it this, that... Like the Spirit of God just quietly assured Moses' mother about the promises for this child. Have you ever had that? It's a private thing and God still does it today. God speaks to you and you know he's given you a promise. But it's so special you keep it quiet. Maybe it's that. That happens. We've got a living God. But I know this. He is a child made in the image of God. He doesn't squander it, and he grows to be more like his Messiah. Healing, helping people, serving them, forgiving people, confessing his sins to the Lord God. That is what we are made of, and I'm not calling everyone to plastic smiles. Be real, but have that steely trust in the Lord. That is not a wasted life. And... This is the point I want this morning. As we study this child and this godly life, we must address the flip side, the wasted life. Because how many other children were born that year? And they're not in this text because they ended up embracing paganism and godlessness and ended up rejecting the Messiah. They're not in the text. They wasted their lives. Grumpy people. Religious people without Jesus. Boy, does that shine through their faces. Wasted lives. I call everybody here this day to come to Jesus because it is possible this day 
from the youngest to the oldest, to reject Jesus and waste your life. Come this day. Some people haven't smiled since 1947. You know why? Jesus is missing. Some people in church haven't smiled since 1947. Loads of them. Because life is in Jesus. But for so many of us, we get that wrong. And we become like these grumpy people full of unhealthy nostalgia about a past age and everything's miserable. Come to Jesus for life. This chap is a Jesus-centered person. Let me address an observation. I'm going to speak to the younger people listening. And, uh, well, I'm going to, it's all for you, but particularly the younger people. Let me address sub, something as we consider life that I've observed in the last 15 years of pastoral ministry. And anybody young listening, and I know there are because they told me they were tuning in, um, or anybody in your life that you're connected to, like you might sit and listen to this now and think, oh, there are probably more happier sermons that I could listen to where they're not going to call me out for wasting my life and for my sins. My argument to that is, I know for a fact that if we call you out where you're going wrong, we love you more than those churches. So stay tuned in and join us here. I would be a criminal to talk about wasting life and not talk about a pandemic sweeping through youth at the moment that needs to change because I just want to be liked by everyone. It really struck me preparing a sermon about Moses and his life with God, how wasting their lives a current generation are, and we want to rescue them. It was really sad recently. I'm, I do some charity work sometimes outside of church, uh, private stuff, and uh, not non-official church stuff. I come into contact with young people, quite a lot of them. 90% at the moment live in their bedrooms. Honestly, you wouldn't believe it. And their rooms are dark. And it's good to think about this as we think about the special child Moses full of life. Because I tell you, if the Spirit of God shines out, the Spirit of darkness keeps us in. Um, I'm often told by non-Christians, especially younger than me, get a life, you loser. And I look at their lives. They spend all day, every day in their bedrooms. Nocturnal, malnourished, clueless, not serving anyone, not committed to anything, being tossed around like leaves. And I asked some of them, because a lot of them were uh, in their rooms on games and stuff. How long have you played on that particular game? One of them, 10,000 hours I just crossed on that one game. And I've got three on the go. Right. Okay. Another one. How many have you been on that one? 11,000 hours. And you know it's you listening this morning. Another one, 6,000 hours in their bedroom or one game. And you might be thinking, what's this got to do with me? They're all around here. They're all around here. I said to Rita, imagine having a child and saying goodbye to them for 10,000 hours in their formative, like growing, socializing years. Off you go, up there. I'm not looking after you. The TV will do it. Where are the churches? Parents shouldn't carry that burden alone. It's hard. Where are the ministers reaching into these lives? Moses, the richest life on earth, came from connection to church. What's catching on at the moment in our schools and in the government? And the idea around here, get children out of church. Where are they going? 
They're bedrooms. I've been a governor in school. I've taken more school assemblies in Wales than I can remember. What's the growing message? Get rid of the Christian message to our young people. What's coming in instead? Absolute selfish lostness, malnourishment, weakness, frailty. Uh, I remember once uh, in a school assembly, the head brought someone out. And she said, young people, this is why you should stay in school and get educated. And out comes this millionaire creep. And I just watched the wonder of all the children's eyes just drop. What? Is that it? That's why we stick around, so we can dress like this guy. And have millions of pounds. And the wonder which is anointed on this child, an example for us today, dropped visibly from their eyes. Where's knowing the living God? Whatever our bank account looks like. Some of the happiest people in the world are in the third world and put us to shame. Because they're part of church. And they got nothing but Christ and his people. Well, we've got to buy into this money stuff. So loads of them now, of our loved ones, are like, well, I'm not bothering with that. What a waste of a life. They see through it. You ever wonder why box sets are so attractive to young people and they binge box sets and those TV series on Netflix? I'll tell you why. It's not even for our young people. It's for elderly people that maybe are drifting in between as well. Because there's a little world with defined characters and a narrative that they can buy into for just a little time where they don't have to face this world where we've been cut from all direction. We don't know who we are or where we're going, but here there's this therapeutic story that I can connect to where there's a clear narrative. There's none of that. In the weight of modern world on our blessed children who are made in the image of God. The message is, you come from gloop. You are gloop. Go and define yourself. They're like, define myself? What does that even mean? I can't handle that problem. Ah! Off they go. Bedrooms. Good luck. Moses flourished. Serving the Lord and his church. And as society says goodbye to that oppressive church, what have we got instead? The weight of the world on our shoulders now, not on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, and we scurry away. Parents, believe this. Young children, believe this. Without Jesus and church, we are enslaved, and freedom is a lie. And it's killing our society. Moses had a Messiah-centered worldview. Jesus had a Father-centered worldview. And we have a massive problem if we cut that out. How do I feel? If it's no longer about God, who we're made to know, you've got this. Who am I? How do I feel? Do I connect? What's my identity? That's social media. I'm worried, am I funny enough? Because I'm all I've got now. Am I annoying? Am I insignificant? Does anybody know that I truly exist or what I'm like? 
Am I too hard on people? Am I too loud? Am I too quiet? Am I sticking out like a sore thumb? Ah! Help! What's going on? The story's all about me. Whereas this man's story, this man's story, according to Hebrews chapter 11, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. Greater than all the treasures and philosophies of Egypt. My narrative is about him. And in Luke 24, Jesus said, actually, Moses was obsessed with the Messiah dying and raising again to life. Sins forgiven. That's the narrative of Moses. Today, from the school age up, we're told we're not made in the image of God. I read this chap. He's been on TED Talks, and he's an author and professor. He's called Mark Bauerlein. He wrote this. Listen to this. And it matters because your neighbors are there, and they need people who know the living God. It matters. Instead of opening... Uh, instead of opening young people in America's minds to the stores of civilization and science and politics, and that, by the way, is all things that church members love to be a part of because it can bring glory to God, all of that stuff, instead of that, technology has contracted their horizons to themselves, to the social scene around them. Young people have never been intensely mindful of and present to just themselves, so enabled in adolescent contact. Teen images and songs, hot gossip and games, and youth-to-youth -youth communications, no longer limited by time or space, wrap them up in a generational cocoon, reaching all the way into their bedrooms. You remember coming home from school and you didn't have a device where all the problems of school were in your pocket and following you at home as well? Do you remember when home was a safe place where you could just switch off with mum and dad and have tea? It's not happening at the moment. And even the ones that do buy into it, they believe the lie that good grades and success is all there is. And that's a lie. Because there's more than that. There's knowing the living God the author of life. What happens to someone who believes that lie and one day they lose their job or fail their exams? Their world collapses. We do want exams and we do want children to try hard, but they need to be connected to the Messiah who holds them safe and values them however they do. However they do. And only church really believes that. I read one of the most powerful posters I've ever read in my life to, uh, last week, and it was from the Sudan government, and it was on the side of a road, and it said this, for more information of the waste, sorry, for more information on lung cancer, keep smoking. Isn't that clever? I'll never forget that. For more information on lung cancer, keep smoking. If I may borrow that and tweak it, as we come to Moses, who knew the Messiah, for more information on the wasted life, keep smoking. Keep rejecting Jesus. Young people, t teenagers, and those genuinely struggling with problems, we love you. Those in genuine despair, there are people here who can help. We have counselors and elders and wise people who have been through life. We can listen to you and pray for you. Jesus loves you. Come to him now. For the lazy ones, 
who are just outright wasters, and you are out there. I was one till I was about 20. You've got a government that says you're not to blame, it's everybody else's problem. We've got a Bible and a Messiah that says it's your problem, and he can save you. Moses was a special child, and so are you. So come out of your darkness, wash, clean your bedroom, join a local church, and serve people. And that's not a wasted life, according to the living God. Love God and your neighbor as yourself. Or Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Rise early. Connect with the Word of God. Serve Jesus. Return to your parents and grandparents as responsible Christian people instead of leeching of everyone in your life. Look around here. Here's a local church which many young people in this area, or that we know, have abandoned, and the old people are running the show. You need to come and serve other people. Here we need the building fixed. We need elderly people who need food made for them. And I call young people to serve Jesus and those people. To make phone calls. To pray with them. To be their Bible readers. To put the chairs out so they can sit on to have communion and sacraments. Come to Christ and the ice will melt from your face. You have to trust Him. It will happen. Jesus and church will open your worldview to care about other people more than ever before, and your countenance will change, like with Moses. And I better close. For all of us, Moses was called the meekest man or most humble man that ever lived. Why? And here's the final example for us all. He grows in Pharaoh's world. He's also connected to the Jewish world as well. He could have been Pharaoh. He could have used all of his talents for himself and godless regimes. Egypt had enormous power and wealth at its dispense. He was educated in all the wisdom and knowledge of the Egyptians, which we still learn about in school today. There was something magical about those pyramids, and there still is how they correspond with the stars. They were the real deal. The church fathers described Moses as the cleverest man that ever lived because of the tabernacle and the maths behind it. We'll get into that another day. Here's the key as I close. Instead of that, he used all his talents for the Lord. That may mean a secular job. For Moses, it meant direct church work. He produces the five greatest books ever written. And all the Bible are just a development of that. Well, not a development, a repeat. All the religions want to squeeze Moses in. He's that great, but he only really means anything in ours where he lifts up the Messiah God. He could have created a Moses empire. I'd have joined. No, I wouldn't. I'd be tempted. He was that good. But instead of that, his work was to lift up Jesus Christ and his church. So young and old, come to Christ. He will forgive your sins, and then he will begin to make your life rich 
wherever you are on life's walk by serving him and other people. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.